Lazy Person's Book Club presents... Blame it on the season, blame it on the weather, all blame it for no reason, on a feather you... Blame it on Hoboken. It's the funny, music-fueled modern love story with a touch of mystery set in Frank Sinatra's hometown. Today's episode, Proof. Brought to you by... Oh, you're sweet in every day's... Treats, cake, pies, the Momo maze. Sweet La Momo Maze Bakery treat, in the heart of Longmont, treat, Colorado. Sweet treat. La. M O M O M A E S. Dot com. Blame it on Hoboken. But baby, stay with me. The morning after William left her with an ancient math formula that was either crazy brilliant or totally nuts, Carolyn Cates took herself to breakfast at the diner across the street from her apartment in New York City's Greenwich Village. Its name? La Marisa. The menu was limited. The staff had its quirks. Oh, how Carolyn loved La Marisa. Overlooked landmarks were her specialty. She walked through the steel doorway of the little diner and settled into her favorite booth. Grimelda, the gray-haired woman behind the takeout counter, nodded sternly and rang the battered metal bell on the counter to greet her. A silver-haired man pushed his way through the swinging kitchen doors. Oof, uh. He wore his black-and-white waiter's uniform like a custom-made tuxedo. His name tag read, Nico. Ah, some fresh hot café for you, Mademoiselle Caroline. But where is the boyfriend? He sits across from you always, but today... Actually... Oh, who happened? Her name is Lila Alice Furstmeyer. A Furstmeyer, Furstmeyer. How lucky for him! Eh, bad for you, of course, but for your no longer boyfriend, very lucky indeed. Lila Alice Firstmeyer ran the Firstmeyer Foundation. A few months earlier, the Firstmeyer Foundation had awarded Carolyn's then-boyfriend, William, a grant for his unique music project. William and Lila met weekly to discuss his show's how, when, and where, and then nightly. Oh. A forced mire. Carolyn sipped her coffee. You could rely on certain things in this world, she thought as she drank. Caffeine, true north, algebra. (gasps) An oddly beautiful woman had arrived at La Marisa. Her golden hair fell to her waist in loose curls. Her eyes were pale gray. Her nose was narrow and slightly off-center, emphasizing the symmetry of her bow-shaped mouth. That face, that grace. Princess. A song began to play on La Marisa stereo, recorded long ago in a place far away. In the village by the sea where I lived as a child, the fisherman sang this song. It is the song of a lady called Marisa. In the language of our island, Marisa means born to the sea. The woman arrived at Carolyn's booth and sat across from her. Call me nuts, but I swear one of the mahjongers at table four goosed me. Hello, nuts. Hello, eggs. Aggie and Carolyn met in 10th grade math class. Someday I'm going to be a famous artist with my name on a gallery window in New York City. And I'll be there to toast you. Toast you. Did I I say that right? 
Carolyn had spent most of her life living off the map in foreign countries with her family. You said that perfectly. And what will you be doing someday? I'd like to be a tour guide, but not a normal one. Don't take this the wrong way, okay? But no one's ever going to accuse you of being normal. Carolyn and Aggie remain best friends today. On this fateful spring morning at La Marisa, their singular dreams are starting to come true. Magazine editors have been featuring Aggie's work in their lifestyle pages. Curators of certain galleries are saying, hmm. Carolyn's company, True City Tours, is blossoming too. She takes people to see overlooked sites, fascinating places they race past normally. The two friends feel truly at home on Manhattan, that glittering, gritty isle of misfits and millionaires. Mademoiselle Aggie, some fresh hot café for you. Nico gazed into Aggie's eyes as he handed over her coffee. Their color reminded him of a stormy Mediterranean sea, so lovely, so cruel outside his childhood home. This is for you, Caro. Aggie handed Carolyn a gift-wrapped package. Inside, a mirror the size of a postcard, framed in tiny stones. I'm really sorry about you and William, but breaking up can lead to beautiful things. We can go bowling. Tim will fix you up with his single friends from work. You know what they say about guys with green thumbs. Tim, Aggie's boyfriend, was head arborist at the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. You're going to find the perfect guy someday. I know! That's the spirit. No, no, no. I mean, I found the formula to love. Carolyn pulled a large, hardbound book from her bag. It was the girl's high school yearbook. But what does our high school yearbook have to do with love? Did you meet some guy here that we knew there? Is he smart? Is he cute? Is he single? He's Euclid. Carolyn pulled a math assignment from the back of the yearbook. Euclid's Proof of Perfect Numbers, the title page read, by Carolyn Cates. What does Euclid have to do with love? Read the proof. You'll see. Hmm. Aggie studied the first page of Euclid's and Carolyn's proof. People do weird things on the rebound, but who makes their friends read algebra in the morning? Hmm. Carolyn sipped her coffee and waited for Aggie to see what she had seen the night before. Euclid's proof of perfect numbers was a formula for finding true love. Here's how it worked. According to Euclid, a perfect number is the product of a prime number and a square. If true love was life's perfect number, Carolyn had realized the night before, and she was 31 years old, a prime, then all she needed to complete the proof was a square. Well, well. Isn't it crazy how all the variables line up? Can I double-check a few things? Sure. True or false, you, Carolyn Cates, a 21st century woman, have chosen to use a 3,000-year-old mathematician as your matchmaker. True! Finding Euclid's proof was like finding an overlooked landmark. I'd looked at it before, but I'd never really seen it. A proven mathematical formula for love. But, Caro, love isn't a formula. Love is about screwing up, the chance meeting, the spilled cup, and... I hate to ruin your theory, but true love does not equal perfection either. Carolyn held up Aggie's mirror. The words, you gotta believe, smiled back at her. 
My 32nd birthday is two months away. That gives me 61 24-hour days to find one square guy, Aggie. Euclid's proof is a map to love, and I'm gonna prove it. What do you say, Ag? Hello, nuts. We conclude this episode of Sharon Glassman's Novel with Songs, Blame It on Hoboken, available for purchase in physical and digital formats at SharonGlassmanLive.com. Today's episode features, in alphabetical order, Nina Raleigh as... Aggie and Little Girl. Connor Magyar as... Beltram. And Jim Walker as... Nico. Sharon Glassman as... Narrator and Carolyn. The Blame It on Hoboken theme song and Marisa are written by Sharon Glassman and produced by Eric Torin. From Brooklyn Heights, the gang planks down, the love bug bites, all the skylights bells forever as long as we're together. Blame It on Hoboken comes to you from Studio 2B or Not To Be in Longmont, Colorado and is syndicated on the Longmont Compass. Blame It on Hoboken. Baby, stay with me, blame it on Hoboken. But baby, stay with me, blame it, but don't tame it. Write our names and flame with it. No two days the same on it. Stake a claim for fame on it. Blame it on Hoboken. But baby, stay with me.